0: What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Mike Janella Show. I am Mike, obviously. This is my 34th podcast episode. Hopefully it won't be my last. And this week, really fun guest. She has delusions that she's funnier than me on Twitter. Uh, she did uh, introduce me to the joy that is Nordstrom Rack, however, so I owe her indefinitely for that. And you may also know her from her work on Fox Sports San Diego. It's the one and only Michelle Margot. Michelle, what's up?
1: I don't know if I should be offended that I'm delusional about being funnier than you on Twitter, but... No, you, you know, shouldn't be offended because, a, because you're uh, not.
0: I'm funnier, so that's there's no offense taken there, I don't think.
1: If Alan Zinter thinks that I'm funnier on Twitter, <laughs> than
0: I'm funnier on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Podge- I have... Padres, yeah, that Padres is- hitting coach, who, uh, who Michelle and I had a battle with over all season long, like custody, like divorced parents over who he liked better, and uh, <laughs> he he chose you. I, I'll give you that. Um, all right, Michelle, we got a lot to talk about with you uh, today. Uh, I think you have a very interesting story that people will be interested in hearing about. Uh, but first things first, I start every show asking my guests the same question because I like getting off on a good foot. So you tell me, Michelle, what's the best thing that happened to you? Anything this past week?
1: Oh my goodness, that's that's a tough question.
0: You had um, that much good stuff happen to you, huh? That's a nice problem to have.
1: No, yeah, this week has been pretty eventful. That's a, well, you know what? I know, I know the answer. I got to, uh, I got to witness and be a part of a USD Toreros basketball win. Um, I did sideline for them on Sunday, and it was their third win in a row. So it's always nice when your alma mater wins. I didn't want to be the bad luck charm, and I
0: was not. So that's the best thing
1: that's happened to me this week.
0: Nice. Yeah, no, I saw that online. And we'll get your plugs out later for where people can find you on social media. But no, it looked like you were right back at home there. So that's a good one. Um, So you mentioned sidelines. So, yeah, for those of you who don't know what Michelle does, uh, the business card says uh, host of Padres POV which is a magazine-style show weekly on the San Diego Padres during the baseball season. Also a, a sideline reporter for Fox Sports San Diego as well, um, filling in uh, during baseball season. And I guess now in the offseason doing some other stuff uh, on the side like Torero's basketball. So uh, the baseball season, we know what you're doing and where you are at any point during that season. But uh, fill us <laughs> in now. What are you up to these days? I'm talking to you in the middle of December. So uh, how, do you, how do you fill your days now?
1: Is it December? Because it's been 70 degrees and sunny outside, so I totally forgot.
0: Hey, for, um, for the guy who yeah. just moved here from New Jersey this year, it's re- freaking me out. So you don't have to tell me that it's <laughs> it doesn't feel like December. But yeah, go,
1: go ahead. Um, I've been doing a little bit of USC basketball, a little bit of San Diego State basketball. Um, I've done a couple things for like digital features, San Diego State football, Chargers, um, San Diego Gold Hockey, which is the AHL team for the Ducks. Um, just a couple things here and there, nothing, nothing crazy. I've been traveling, you know, during the baseball season, which you understand it's seven days a week for, you know, seven months out of the year. So kind of just relaxing a little bit, still trying to stay afloat, you know, pay my rent. But other than that, I'm, I'm just <laughs> traveling and enjoying my time, and catching up with people that I haven't been able to since I moved back
0: which I'm sure they appreciate. Um, It's it's funny because you mentioned like paying the rent. I think a lot of people who don't know much about the industry just see someone on TV doing one sport and think, oh, that's they're good for the year. Like they've made enough money during basketball season to last all year. They don't want to work the rest of the year. But I mean, you look at even, you know, people at ESPN or like networks, they're doing stuff all year round. And I think a lot of people don't understand that that trickles down even to, you know, people like us who are sort of just getting started that, Just doing one sport is not going to cut it.
1: Right, right. And I had had an executive producer tell me once that baseball is the most important sport to know because it's the only one that's in season during the summer. Whereas um, during the winter, you know, there's so many other sports, football, basketball, hockey, that if you don't know baseball, then you're going to be jobless during the summer. But if you do know baseball, then you'll have a job during the summer and then you can find a job in the winter. So I thought that was pretty good advice. Yeah, because
0: yeah, baseball, theoretically, it could keep you working from February until November. But yeah, even a worst case scenario, you're getting like six, seven months of work out of it. So uh, good advice, whoever okay. that, that producer was. Um, so, Jeff Bile. Oh, Jeff Bile. Nice. Uh, up at Detroit now, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, nice. Yeah.
1: He's been amazing to me. Oh,
0: that's good stuff. So... So baseball has been your main gig and you mentioned that that's the one that you kind of have to know uh, to ensure that you're employed uh, throughout the year. But I was actually reading Michelle and doing my research for this podcast. Uh, You spoke at your alma mater at USD earlier this year and (laughs) they wrote a little uh, write up about you and what you shared with them. And uh, the author said that you told them when you were a kid, you actually found baseball like really boring and you hated playing it and you you weren't <laughs> into it. So what makes you, what made you appreciate it now more as an adult? Because I've, I've watched games with you. I've seen you in the press box, like you're into it. You're involved. So what happened between uh, baby Michelle and grown up Michelle that changed that love or that passion for the game? First of all,
1: baby Michelle is still present, so don't my- get <laughs> it yet. Okay. Um... That's a really good question. You want the long story or the short story?
0: Maybe the medium story. No, we got time. It's a podcast. Give me the long story. <laughs> Bad so. answer. Bad
1: answer. No. <laughs> um, basically, I uh, I was home alone a lot in high school um, towards the end of my high school career. And the only thing that was live during the day was the Oakland A's games. I'm from Northern California and CSN Bay Area covered those games. And um. It was that or Ellen DeGeneres. It's no hate <laughs> towards Ellen, but you know, I wanted to learn sports, so I just kind of watched and watched and watched during those day games. And uh, sorry, I had a tell weird, I had to call the other one. Um, so I would watch and watch during those day games, and I literally did not know anything. I knew three strikes are out, but I didn't understand four balls. I didn't under, I just didn't understand anything. And so when I went to USD, which is a a pretty big baseball school, um, I kind of just asked a lot of questions and then I fell in love and I had not looked back since I really, I, people say, you know, you can't learn sports overnight, which is true, but I learned baseball very, 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 very fast. Um, And I, I think that you can do a lot with if you ask a lot of questions so there's a lot of strategy involved obviously as you know but you can always learn more
0: what's that true love work sometimes just comes out of nowhere and overnight yeah it hits you and then you're stuck with it Uh, so how so you're into other sports too obviously how do your passions how would you say (laughs) they compare for the different sports like does one have a, a special place in your heart over any other
1: so people ask me a lot, um, why do you like sports? Why sports? You know, if you didn't grow up liking sports and you didn't grow up playing sports, which by the way, I did grow up playing sports. I just wasn't good enough to do anything with it. You and me um, both. You and me both. Did... <laughs> what?
0: You and me both. That's why we're on microphones and in front of cameras instead of being on the actual <laughs> playing field.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, the answer to that question is you're you're never alone when you're watching sports. You always, you're never unhappy you always feel that camaraderie, whether you're playing or watching. And so when it comes to the different sports, um, yeah, I definitely have a ranking of which sports I like best, which sports I, you know, I like, but could go without. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the fact that if you're in an arena or a field or a stadium, I'm going to be happy no matter what. So, um, but baseball is definitely my top. I grew up watching basketball. I'm a Sacramento Kings fan through and through, even wearing my purple pants as we speak. Sorry. Um they won last night, they beat the Lakers, no big deal. <laughs> um and so baseball and basketball are my favorite. And then football and hockey are close behind. All right, there
0: you go. So uh, yeah, the King stuff, we won't get into that because that's just going to be a lot of misery and recalling bad memories uh, of, of losses <laughs> growing up. So we'll move past that. But I do want to talk about uh, your journey. One of the big parts of this show when I talk to people is getting to know how they got to where they are uh, for people who may not be familiar that are listening to get a little bit of background and uh, knowledge about you. So let's talk about you then. So you grow up, you know, Northern California uh, you're a baby still. Uh you know, you graduated two years ago only and you're already you're hosting your own show in a regional sports market, top thirty market. Um, are you surprised that you're at this level of your career this quickly? it's really impressive.
1: A loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, because if I say no, then I didn't believe myself. If I say yes then I'm too confident. Alright, well let's um, see how you
0: answer it then.
1: I mean I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest because I you know, honesty is the best policy, but I, I've i kind of always known that I was going to do this, not necessarily sports, but I, I always knew I was going to be a reporter um, or an anchor, and sports kind of came in when I was about 19 years old doing an internship um, in news, and I, you can ask Jeff who who's the guy who actually hired me um, at Fox Sports San Diego about a year ago. I told him when I was interning here um, in college, I said, you know, as soon as I graduate, I'm, I'm ready. You can hire me. And he said, no, no, you need to go get your mistakes out in a small market. You know, no one's ready when they come out of college. They all say they are, but they're not. And I was like, no, Jeff, I know that I'm ready. I know that I'm ready. And um, he was about 75%, right. There was no way in heck that I was going to be as ready as I was last year than I was when I graduated. But I, you know, you either have it or you don't in the sense of the passion. And I, you know, I've always been passionate about it. So I kind of, it's not about where I am in my career for my age. It's not about getting to a certain goal by a certain age. It's just kind of like, if I, it's, I've just pursued what i wanted. That's really what it's come down to. It's just, I I haven't set a goal. I wanted to be at a regional sports network by the time I'm, you know, 20, 23 or 24. It was never like that. It was just, you work until you get to what you want, and it doesn't matter when it happens as long as it happens, and you're happy, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and it's gotten you here, so obviously that's a strategy that works. So what was it that made that maybe made it different for you? And again, I, I'm not trying to put you in a position to be like, you know, false humble or false modesty or whatever, but I mean, there are so many... I don't know, Susie Smith's or John Johnson's um, worst fake names ever uh, that are like working in Topeka or wherever and struggling and they can't get out of that first market. And you got out of it pretty quickly. You were only in Corpus Christi where you went after college to do uh, some reporting and anchoring for like a year, year and a half, and you were able to get out. What was it just that, that passion? Is that what separates you from a lot of people that are in similar situations (laughs) that don't have that same success that quickly?
1: Um, that's a that's a really good question. I don't know because I don't know how other people feel. I've just, I've never understood the people who,
0: <clears throat>
1: and, and this is no hate or shade towards them at all. I've just never understood the people who didn't know what they wanted to do. Like, you know, in college, oh, I don't know what I want to major in or, oh, you know, I don't know what I should do when I graduate. For me, there was no question. And there's a quote um, that I've read that says, uh, if you know you're destined for greatness, it haunts you until you achieve it. I've just always stayed up late at night, you know, being haunted by this dream of mine, that until I achieve it, I'm not going to be a happy person. Um, And so I've just worked every single day since the day that I realized what my dream was to be able to achieve it. And um, I think the biggest thing is a lot of people, and you know, just as well as I do, Mike, that you have to move to a small market or you might not get the job you want. You might not be making a lot of money your first couple of jobs. Um, and so when I moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, I didn't know a single person, not a soul when I moved out there, you know, it's halfway across the country from, from California. Um, when you're 21 years old, that's not exactly what you want to be doing when the rest of your friends are traveling the world or staying (laughs) in the same city. (laughs) What?
0: No, I'm agreeing with you. That's all.
1: Yeah. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy decision to make, but I knew I had to make it. And there was no doubt in my mind that I needed to make it. So when I made that decision, um, the days that sucked and the days that I would be, you know, doing news and not sports and I'd be knees deep in floodwaters and I'd be carrying my tripod, my microphone, my camera, my notepad, my purse, my rain jacket, you know, my umbrella. When I was carrying all that stuff, hobbling around all disheveled, trying to make my way through the great hurricane winds of Corpus Christi. It was like, I'm here to work and I'm here to get out to do my job, of course, you know, I was very thankful for the opportunity that I had. And I'm, you know, I can't thank them enough for giving me the opportunity, but I knew that I wasn't gonna stay there and they knew that I told them straight up, you know, I don't plan on staying here for my career. So um, it's the times that were terrible, that I was doing things I didn't wanna do that actually made me better. Um, And that's, I think what separates the people who, will achieve what they want to achieve is if they can turn those crappy times into, you know, things that work and will help them grow.
0: It's funny because it's interesting to hear you say it because I think everyone thinks it, even if they don't admit it, that when you get to a place like that, you do put an expiration date on yourself because you're saying, I'm not going to be here in five years or 10 years. If I did, something went wrong. It's just not part of the plan. And I think a lot of people uh, either don't have that drive to actually follow through on that, or not. But you did, and and it worked out. How how long were you willing to? Did you did you put any time period on how much you'd be willing to sort of climb the market ladder, like go from one hundred and fifty to one hundred to seventy five uh, before you got to a certain spot, or was it just take it as it comes, the opportunities?
1: Take it as it comes. You really can't. You have no idea in TV. I mean, for example. I had been there one year. I had a three-year contract there, and I had been there one year. And um, I got a job offer from a station in Washington, D.C. And um, I I was not able to accept the job um, due to my contract. And I thought it was the end of the world. I was like, you know, that's the only opportunity I'm ever going to get. Washington, D.C. I love D.C. My brother lives in D.C. You know, my dad's a major sports market. And when I couldn't accept the job, my heart was broken because I, I really thought that was my only opportunity. Um, And then three months later, I got this opportunity and it was, you know, the best decision I've ever made. So you really can't, I mean, and I think that goes across the board for any career. You cannot put a time limit or anything like that because you just don't know. Everything happens for a reason.
0: All right. So uh, Miss Ambition and Miss Looking Ahead and Looking Forward, uh, maybe you don't know the answer (laughs) to this yet. Uh, but I'm assuming that you know Padres POV. It's a great it's a great gig, but maybe you have your sights set on bigger things for ten, fifteen years down the road. Uh, so, what is the dream job when when baby girl Michelle finally you know matures out and you say you know she still exists <laughs> once uh, once fully realized woman uh, media personality Michelle uh, evolves? Where do you see yourself being, or where would you like to be?
1: That's a great question. Um, it's it's really hard um, to look ahead because San Diego is so great. Um, and the Padres have been so great and at Fox Sports San Diego as a family has been great. Um, especially because I went to college here. So all my friends, my sister, you know, they're all here. So it's hard for me to even think about leaving. Um, but I grew up a Yankees fan. Um, have I ever lived in snow? No. Um, but I've always thought it would be really cool to work, you know, for the Yankees or to, Go to Yankee Stadium as your office every day. Um, MLB Network would be awesome. Anything anything, sports related, really, it's it's so hard to, to quantify anything just because I, I'm just gonna be happy as long as I'm working in sports. But uh, I mean, baseball and basketball, like I said, are my favorite sports. That doesn't mean I'd rule out anything else. I do miss anchoring, I'll say that. Um, it's great being able to be in the field and going out on shoots for Padres POV. Um, Because you're never going to the same place. And it's just, I mean, anyone who doesn't have a nine to five job in the same office will understand that it's great to vary it up. But I do miss anchoring a little bit. um, And so if I could get that to be worked into another job, that would be always ideal, in my opinion
0: from someone that did grow up in snow, I think the floodwaters is, is worse because actually walking through water is worse than snow. So if you made it through Corpus Christi, I think you'll be okay in snow. Uh, if that's any consideration <laughs> for your future uh, career plans. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about what you're doing now though. Let's focus on that. So uh, Padres POV, uh, for anyone who's unfamiliar, it's a weekly, like I said earlier, magazine style show. Um, so you take guys out like Padres players, you know, paddle boarding or to the golf course, and you kind of just get to know them a little bit more in depth or you cover other um, things that are happening as they come along during the season, other events and stuff like that. Um And it's great. Some of these are great ideas that the Padres have a guy named Brian Schimpf and everyone makes shrimp jokes and you took him out to make like a shrimp sushi roll and just like get to talk to him about it. So take us through the process. How much of a role do you play from getting these ideas from concepts to idea to completion and being on air? What's the the behind the scenes like of putting an actual episode of, of this show you host together?
1: I do you have a couple hours? Because <laughs> it's a long process. Um, well, I do co produce the show um, with a lovely guy that I absolutely adore, Brian Sturton. Um, he co produces the show with me. And we basically, about a month in advance, look at the team schedule when they're on the road, when they're at home, and we figure out which players we haven't gotten yet and what their interests are and what we could do to take them you know on on usually it's on a game day and we don't usually do it on their off days and we take them in the morning to do something that they're interested in get to get to know them a little bit off the field um so there's a process of being able to get those shoots approved and then putting them into action calling the places that we would go um And then, of course, my job is to study up on the players, find out information um, that I can talk to them about, all that stuff. Then we do the shoot, and then that's the last the player worries about it, which is good because they got to focus on the game. And then that's when we cut down about a 30-minute shoot into two minutes, uh, edit it, and then write scripts around it. And then that's just about one-fifteenth of our 30-minute show. So there's a lot that goes into it, but it's super fun. And I love, that's kind of why I got into journalism um, is because I liked being able to be the liaison between the viewer or the reader um, and the topic. So it's been fun. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I'm sure obviously in the end, when people see the final product, it all looks great. And it all is a labor of a lot of love. But I'm sure there are times, and you don't have to name names, but where maybe an interview isn't really going that well or a player just isn't really loving what you set up for them to do. So tell me what the opposite then. What do you find the players have loved doing the most? Like what's gotten them the most excited or the most uh, open or amenable to talking? Like from your experience, what tends to work more than not when you're trying to get players out of their comfort zone because uh, athletes a lot of time don't like doing stuff that's not part of their their normal daily routine. And that's something that right. journalists have to work with a lot. So what have you found has been, has worked in your favor uh, with, with most guys?
1: Um, I such a good question. I really don't know. Um, I think it's just kind of the person. If the person's open and willing to do it, then they're open and willing to do it. And, and the fans get to see that because their personalities come out and they, they're open to be doing, you know, um, you said not to name names, but these are, this is a positive thing. Uh, we took Ryan Bookter fishing and though he's not like an avid fisherman who goes every morning at 5am, you know, um, in mission Bay or whatever, he, you know, brought out his fishing hat and we talked fishing and, You know when you fish, unless you're catching fish, there's not a lot to be done. You just kind of sit there and wait. (laughs) And he was great and gave us all sorts of information, and we really got to know who he was. Same with Drew Pomerantz. He's a big car guy, and um, though he's no longer off a team um, anymore, he's a big car guy. And we took him to K1 Speed, which is an indoor go-kart racing. And, of course, those cars don't measure up with the kind of cars that he's driving. But um, he was so much fun, and he made a bet with me. Um, Like if I were to win, then I could drive his very nice car. And if I lose, then I had to wear a jersey that says Pomerantz on it for another Padres POV shoot. Luckily, he got traded, so I didn't have to do that because he did beat me. But (laughs) it's like when he, you know, when their character, you know, when their character comes out, it's really fun. It doesn't really matter what we're doing as long as they're open to doing it. Um, And they, you know, you can't blame them because they... Have hundred and sixty two games in what one hundred and seventy five days or whatever it is and uh and they're tired, and so you know a lot of times people don't understand that the last thing they want to be doing is going out and talking for thirty more minutes when they have to focus on a game that day, so um it is really nice when they are open to doing that stuff. It doesn't really matter what obviously we try to get them to do something they want to do, so whether it's golf or something that is an activity they like to do.
0: Good answer. Yeah, I mean, a lot A lot of it does come down to who you're working with. And uh, there's only so much magic you can work with someone who doesn't want to be there. So that definitely is a big part of your job, I'm sure. Um, all right, let's let's talk about sideline for a little bit. And uh, obviously, that's not your I would say, maybe I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, not your primary uh, function of Fox Sports San Diego, but something you do a fair amount of. So I do want to ask uh, some questions about that. I think well, let's let's go this way first. First question. What's the biggest misconception that the common sports fan or people have about sideline reporting?
1: Um, <clears throat> probably that you have a teleprompter, which is, like, absurd. you wait, I don't, think you don't have a teleprompter report. on the
0: baseball field with you when you're reporting from the sideline?
1: <laughs> You'd be surprised. People ask me all the time, Well, oh, like, I'll say, you know, i got to study. I have to do a game tomorrow. And they're like, Study? Don't you have a prompter? Isn't it already written for you? I'm like, no,
0: not at all. Not even
1: close. So uh, that's a big misconception. But um, I think just people think that you just kind of wake up and you go and you do the game. uh, When there's a lot of research, you have a conference call every single day. Um, There's a lot of planning that goes into it. And though there is a lot of planning, there's a lot of stuff that sprung on you last second especially with the story of the game, you never know how this, the game's going to go. And so you have to be prepared. You, you, you know, one producer said, um, you have to have a menu of items and you have to sell me on the items and we will pick which item we want at that time. So I go into game. Like for example, this USD basketball game that I just did, um, you know, I had 10, 10 hits ready before the game even started of research that I did and of you know, of ideas, and I used two or three, and then the rest were because of the story of the game. You just don't know until the game starts. So you do a lot of research, and you maybe use a tenth of it, which is sounds crazy, but it's true.
0: So how much prep would you say you do, say for a series? Say, you know, the Cardinals are in town, and you know that you're working that three-game series. How much How much prep time do you do from ahead of time? Is it a week early? Is it two weeks early? Is it obviously there's some stuff that you say just comes up that day? How much are you getting ready for Friday night first pitch for that series?
1: Well, I've always been, you know, even as a student, I've always, always needed time ahead. Um, I think that if you ask the average reporter, I wouldn't know their answer. For me personally, you know, I look ahead, like I looked ahead and knew my whole schedule last season. So I highlighted every single series that I did and I kind of kept up with that team a little bit. Um, but a couple weeks in advance, you start formulating storylines. Of course, you don't know about trades, you don't know about injuries, you don't know about um, the matchup, you don't know what their records are going to be until the day of. You don't know the pitching matchups until, you know, five days ahead of time or a week ahead of time. Um, so that kind of stuff you really cannot do until it gets closer. But um, little stuff like, um, you know, when I did a Diamondback series, I knew Jamal Weeks with the Padre and his brother Ricky Weeks is a Diamondback. And I knew <clears throat> that, you know, two months ahead. So I kind of did some research and I knew that they used to play sock ball as a kid. And, you know, I I knew the storyline there and I was able to kind of put that on the back burner while I found out all the new stuff. But I still had it in my back pocket in case I needed it, if that makes sense. Um, and also, this goes with anybody in any sport. Um, but the more you cover it, the more you know. So some of that stuff, it just stays in your mind. Like, I don't need to study teams if I already know them, if that makes sense.
0: No, 100%. When I used to do uh, play-by-play, which is how I got started in the industry, I would know teams like the back of my hand because you're studying them and actually you know, calling every play day by day. Whereas once you're out of that, it's as much as you read blogs or keep up with stuff, it's just not as easy as when you're immersed in it. So um, I feel you. How much input do you have as a sideline reporter? And I'm sure every network is different or every team is different. But um, in terms of you being able to talk about how often you get into a broadcast or what topics you want to cover, how much is that you? How much is that a producer? How much is that someone higher up at the network? How does it work? You can only speak to your own experience, but how does that work for you?
1: Um again, it depends on the sport. Baseball, there's so many games that it's almost unfair to put it all on one person um because it's just a rat race every day. But with basketball or um, you know, I've done a high school football game, that stuff is a lot more pre planned, um, I would say. But um It depends on the producer, for sure. I have some producers that want me to come up with it and sell them on it. That way they don't have to worry about it. And then I have other producers that kind of give me a guideline. Hey, I'm thinking this. um, What do you think? It's definitely a collaborative thing. Um, And, again, we have conference calls every single day before the game. So uh, I kind of come up with my ideas. They come up with theirs. And then sometimes we'll, you know, join them, or we'll do one or the other, or we'll save one, especially if it's evergreen, if it's something that, if it's on a specific player um, that is on our team that isn't time-sensitive, we can always save that um, if we need it. And um, it depends on the matchups. Normally, you kind of get the hang of it. So um, if Andy Green, manager Andy Green for the Padres, is playing his huge former, and he's on the coaching staff at the Arizona Diamondbacks, And it's the first series of the year where he's playing the Diamondbacks. Both the producer and me are probably already going to have it on our list about what it's going to be like coaching against his former team. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of don't you love it? Don't you love it when those
0: obvious storylines come up? You're like, yep, book it. That's a hit. Like we're good. Um, Instead of having to scrap for stuff at the bottom of the barrel. Got a. I asked some some fans on Twitter for questions for you and so many jokesters out there but we did get one serious question out there from the guys at Gaslamp Ball Um, as part of your sideline or even your hosting duties I'm sure you run into a lot of Padres fans uh, whether it's online or in person you know you're sitting there watching a game whatever Um, the guys at Gaslamp Ball want to know what's been your most memorable Padres fan experience um or interaction okay, I should I have say. Two. yeah oh, oh two nice
1: um <clears throat> before the season really started I think it was the opening series um one man named Joel uh asked me to sign a ball
0: and wow, it was you're the famous. same ball that he
1: had I think <laughs> no I think he it was the same ball that I think it was either Robbie Erlin or Kevin Quackenbush or someone one of some Padres pitcher had signed it right before me, and I was like, "You know, I'm going to devalue this ball, right? Like,
0: are you sure you want me to
1: sign it?" And I just thought it was so cool that um, that he wanted my signature. And I also was like, "Wait, I haven't been practicing my signature, so um, I think you and I actually in the press uh, box, yeah, autograph time, practice, autograph."
0: I remember that. Yeah have you Have you settled down on one yet?
1: Uh, now it's just a big M with a scribble. So um it's not that great but um that was one and then um i went and spoke with um or spoke to the san diego madres at one of their luncheons yep. which is a fan group of a bunch of um really moms there's a couple men there but um and i loved talking to them because they knew what i did and they knew how much work went into it it wasn't like oh hey we like watching you it was like hey we feel like we know you after watching your show and we love this. And we loved that. And they were asking specific questions. And it just meant a lot that they really did watch the show. And they, they liked the show. And they were attached to the show, which made me so happy because it made me feel like my hard work was paying off, you know, instead of just a fan that comes up and like, hey, I think I've seen you or whatever. It just, it meant a lot. So um, that was probably one of my favorite
0: fan interactions. Yeah, the autograph story is great because I had a very similar one when I was hosting Padres Social Hour and uh, Randy Jones, Padres Hall of Famer, Cy Young Award winner, would be a co-host often. And there was a kid that came down once, a little eight-year-old, and his dad was like, oh, go get his autograph. He's, you know, one of the best pitchers the team's ever had. And then the kid just seeing me next to him was like, oh, can you sign it too? And I'm like, no, you do not want me to sign this ball for you <laughs> at all. Trust me, because that depreciation would go rock bottom very quickly. Yeah. Um, so that's a good story. I'm glad you can relate. Um, all right, Michelle, uh, we are going to get to the fun five here in a little bit, which are the five fun questions we end every show with. But first, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up, but I don't I want to spend too much time on it because I am – uh, as a, a white American male, the least qualified person to talk about being a woman in sports media, and you have plenty of other platforms where I think you could probably talk about it more in depth uh, and, and do more service to it. But uh, you know, certainly there are disadvantages. I'm sure you deal with uh, being a woman in sports media coming up, and I'm sure there are advantages too. So the only question I want to ask to you about that is, what have you found so far have been your your biggest What's the biggest advantage and biggest disadvantage you've had? Because this is something you've spoken about. I, I read about you speaking to your, uh, you know, your alum, your alma mater at USD about this as well. What are some, what is the biggest challenge and what's been the biggest benefit to, to your position in trying to make it in this industry?
1: Um, well, I will say <clears throat> what you read, I know exactly which article you're talking about. Um, it was from uh, like February, I think I was misquoted in that a couple different times. Oh, okay. Um, so just don't believe everything you read. But um, I'm sorry, what was the question? What's the biggest advantage or disadvantage? Um, what?
0: Yeah, one of each. What's the biggest advantage <laughs> to being a woman in sports media? And what's the biggest disadvantage? What's sort of been the biggest uh, tough thing um, that you've had to deal with early in your career?
1: I mean, there's always like the cliche answers. I I really try to not worry about the fact that I'm female. Um, I would say I really don't know. I once had... um. I was talking to a class at USD a couple of weeks ago actually and one of the basketball players was in there and someone um a student asked me um about being a female and trying to get players to talk or something and so I asked the basketball player straight up, I was like, Hey, would you rather talk to a male or female after the game? And he was like, Um, I don't know and I was like, Well, like if if you lose, would you rather talk to a male or female? And he said, female. And then my prof- the professor had said, well, why? And he said, because they're more nurturing or something. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that. But I thought it was funny because um, I've never thought of myself as nurturing in the <laughs> locker room or clubhouse. But, um,
0: yeah, the, the last uh, thing on your mind is being matronly uh, after a loss. You're just like, give me my quote. I got to get out of here.
1: No, no. I, I understand what it's like to lose. And, of yeah. course, I would never want to make it harder for someone after they've lost. But. Um, I really don't know. That's a a hard question to ask or a hard question to answer because I think, of course, I can come up with a thousand things that are advantages for me being female and a thousand things that are disadvantages. But I really, really try to not worry about the fact that I'm female in this industry because there are so many now um, that it's not, there's really nothing that's going to hold me, you know, I don't know. Maybe just working with a lot of guys. Sometimes I just need a woman in my life to... (laughs) alleviate some of the guy talk, but um, other than that, I I really try not to worry about it anymore.
0: Which is good. That is a boring answer. No, no, I I think it's, it's progress. A lot of people, you know, the last few years it's been a huge hot button topic and I think just normalizing it is a big step toward it not being an issue for anyone. So I think that's a a great mindset for you to have.
1: I would say the biggest thing is just being, is like people not understanding that you're in the spotlight. Um, Like even if you're, if I I just want to go out to dinner with friends or something, um, and that's, it goes for males and females, even, um, you know, Billy Bush or whatever, who got fired from NBC for being present when Donald Trump was saying all those, you know, not, you know, un-PC comments or whatever. It's kind of like, I could not do anything wrong, but if I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time, I'm out of a job for the rest of my life. And that's the hard thing to wrap my brain around because it's also hard for all my friends or, or anyone that I meet that doesn't really understand. They think, oh, you're fine, you're fine. And it's like, no, not really. And it, maybe it's because I'm female or maybe it's just because of what I do for a living. But a lot of people don't understand um, how unprivate your life can be if you if you do do what we do for a living.
0: Yeah, no, you gotta be guarded and you always have to be cognizant of what you're up to because you never know who's watching or who's snapping or who's doing what. So, And that only gets worse as you get higher up the ladder. So um, I, I, I'm with you there. Um, all right, Michelle, uh, I don't want to keep you for too much longer because you've got a life to live. Uh, but Before we get to the fun five, something else I do every week, I offer my guests the opportunity to turn the tables. You have a chance to ask me any one question you want, if you so choose. Would you like to try it?
1: Who is your favorite person to sit next to in the press box this last season at <laughs> Padres?
0: That, talk about loaded questions. Um, you, obviously, number one, number one favorite sitter next to on, in the press box. Okay. Why? Uh, autograph practice. It's just so much fun.
1: No, no, no. That's a cop-out, buddy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, to be honest, uh, because you deserve nothing but an honest answer, it's actually not you, because you weren't even there all the time, because um, you were busy what? doing you're busy doing your own stuff. No, my old buddy Seth Blooper, my old producer-director from the show, he'd sit yeah. next to me every day, and uh, we'd have plenty to talk about, and he and I are, are very similar in ways that a lot of people don't see on the surface, so... He'd be my guy. He'd I'll, be my ride or I die, think... but you're, you're a close second place.
1: I love Seth, too.
0: Yeah, no, he, he's the man, so uh, here's hoping he's listening to this, and if he is, he just got an awesome shout-out, so congrats, Seth. Um, <laughs> all right, Michelle, we close every show with the fun five. It's five quick, fun questions designed for you and you alone. Here we go. Number one, as also as part of my research for this podcast, I, I went through your LinkedIn profile, and I found that in 2011 – you were a hydration specialist for Zico Coconut Water. <laughs> so, Michelle, what is a hydration specialist? Question number one. Oh, my gosh.
1: Oh, you are such a little journalist, you. Um, I would go around and promote Zico Coconut Water and give everyone all the information they needed as to why it's so good for you. With that said, I could not finish a whole Coconut Water if I tried. It is the grossest tasting thing ever, and I can say that now that I don't work for them. Um, <laughs> no. Nothing against them. It's just coconut water in general is terrible.
0: Well, that, that bridge sounds burned. Um, no, no, coconut <laughs> water, it's very nutrient-dense. Uh, I'm with you there. It's like a water milkshake, but it's, I don't, I'm not a big fan. So <laughs> terrible. I'm there. terrible. Um, all right, question number two. Uh, I give you a 20-minute Barbara Walters-style sit-down interview access with anyone in the world. Who is your dream interview candidate?
1: Oh my gosh, Derek Jeter!
0: Uh, you went from like this is going to be a really hard question to knowing your answer in <laughs> a half, half a second.
1: Um, no, Derek Jeter.
0: Any reason, just besides you being a, growing up a Yankees fan when you were younger,
1: besides the fact that it's Derek Jeter, don't oh, know I mean to say? that's um, all you need to say. I, no, I read his book; it was extremely influential, and uh, I, I, I had a goal in college that I would make it before he retired and I unfortunately I was in Corpus Christi and did not have access to ever make it to interview Derek Jeter before he retired um and I cried at his last at that because I'm a freak of nature and get phased by that kind of stuff but uh that's Derek Jeter well, all right.
0: There's still time. I don't know we'll what I have you... <laughs> I need to think
1: about it, but...
0: <laughs> well, I, I think you'd have time to figure it out before he actually sat down with you. Uh, all right. Question number three, <laughs> Michelle. Uh, you're, I think, a bit of a foodie, if I'm not mistaken, right? So what's your favorite restaurant <laughs> in San Diego?
1: Um, Can it be a chain or no?
0: It's your favorite restaurant. It could be any anything. Melting Pot. Okay. So that's your favorite restaurant in multiple cities, then? Yes. All right. Melting pot. There you go. If you're getting Michelle any uh, Christmas gifts or, or birthday gifts or anything in the future, a melting pot gift card. That's the way to go. Um, <laughs> no, number four, and you alluded to it earlier. The cliche answers that so many athletes give, which cliche athlete phrase do you hate the most? Probably
1: couldn't, couldn't have done it without my team. <laughs> um, I don't like that one or, uh, yeah, we really needed to come together for the win tonight and we were able to do that.
0: Good for, ones, yeah. We know
1: that. We yeah. we we watched the game for three hours. Can you give us a little bit more?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Mine is uh it is what it is. I love when they when they pull that one. It's like oh thanks a lot. Oh, I, I, I don't mind like that. Matt. Really? Oh, it's so like it doesn't mean anything. Anyway, moving on. Number five. Um, thing, go ahead. No, 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 number five. Oh all right, number five. Um it is the holiday season and everyone's getting their uh their Christmas lists ready, or you know, Hanukkah eight days of giving, or it's holiday parties at the office, Secret Santa, white elephant, all that kind of stuff. What, Michelle Margot, is the best gift you've ever received, no matter the occasion?
1: Can I say two things?
0: <clears throat> You're lucky, yeah. Go ahead.
1: Um no, oh, I'm extremely lucky. Although I will say that I asked Jose Fernandez this question during the all-star break. Um, I said, best gift you've ever been given. He said, a lot of love. And that answer trumps any answer I could ever say. So that sucks. But um I would say, number one, I got a kitten um in uh, senior year of high school, which she's still at my parents' house. My parents hate the fact that I got that cat because they have to take care of it. Number two, um when I left Corpus Christi, I did a story with um a high school basketball coach named Carl Turk. He has transverse myelitis, which is a disease um he's unable to walk on his own he He does okay actually um but he is a basketball coach and he's overcome a lot of odds. I did a story on him, and he was always grateful for me to do the story when I was grateful for him for him to do the story. And when he found out I was leaving to go to Fox Sports San Diego um, without texting or anything like that, I just showed up to my last day at work. And there was a, a book, it was Jorge Posada's book, um, he knew the Yankee fan, with a bookmark with a really in, um, motivational quote on it and a basketball that said, best swishes. Oh. <laughs> and there was an inscription in the book. Um, basically thanking me for my time in Corpus Christi and, um, for everything that he thought I had done for him when really he did a lot more for me. Um, and it just meant a lot. It meant a lot to know that, um, someone that, you know, just building a relationship with a coach like that. And he knew that I loved the Yankees and he knew that I loved, um, and just everything. It was just, it it meant a lot to me because I had no idea it was coming and, uh, it was very thoughtful help
0: so. that's awesome both very good gifts and uh yep. yeah way to get a kitten and then leave for college and then leave for your career and and them stuck with your parents very nicely done i know
1: she's she's the
0: best <laughs> <Chloe>. <laughs> all right michelle that's uh that's gonna do it for us i don't want to keep you much longer we've had plenty of your time already and i thank you very much but um, plug yourself where can people find you where can they uh, follow you online tell them everything
1: well first of all thank you i appreciate it i no one's going to be listening to this i'm astonished that you even wanted to do it with me (laughs) um and if they are really bored they can find me on twitter at m margot eight m-a-r-g-a-u-x eight and then instagram's just michelle margot then i have a facebook page michelle margot too
0: all right, there you go. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. And my social
1: security number and my bank account
0: information. <laughs> uh, can I get date of birth and also your home address? Yeah, that'd be lovely. Um, all right, Michelle, Margot, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun, and I hope to uh, talk to you soon.
1: Thank you so much, Mike.
0: All right, and for you guys listening, head to mikejanella.com as well for all previous episodes of the show. Make sure to also download, subscribe, like, leave comments on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher as well. And we'll be back with one more show uh, before Christmas and the holidays before I go on a little bit of a break. So make sure to check it all out. Also at the website, you'll find out about the great outro music that you're hearing right about now. All right, thanks once again to Michelle Marco, and my thanks to you
1: for listening. This is The Mike Janela Show. We'll try and do better next time. See ya.